Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we are beginning our study on the end times or what is termed eschatology. We're doing this because there is so much confusion out there. There's so much bad information. There is um, so much error floating around. And so I would like to study the scriptures with you about the end times. Now, we've done this a little bit in the past, but we've only given overviews. I found a two-part series that I did previously that is an overview of the end times. This one is going to be much more lengthy. We're going to take a much deeper look as to what is going on in the end times. Not completely deep dive because um, that would take probably the whole next season but um, we are going to definitely look at a much deeper level than what we did previously. Now, first of all, we're going to take a look at what is the nature of the second coming of Christ. Because Jesus had promised that he was going to come back. And prophetically, what is the nature of that? Well, first of all, it has two distinct parts to it. Um, the first part is the rapture of the church, and the second part is the revelation of Jesus Christ as king. Now, those two parts are distinct. They're, they're very different from each other, and sometimes in prophecy, you can t it's hard to tell when they're talking about one or the next. Uh, remember, when you're talking about prophecy, often a prophet did not realize gaps between some of the things they saw. It was kind of like looking out at a mountain range when those mountains look, you know, they're, they're very, um, they look very close to each other when in reality they are miles and miles and miles apart. And so some of that you see as you're going through prophecy. So the second coming of Christ, the nature of the second coming of Christ is personal. Jesus Christ will personally come back. It's not like a figurative thing. There are three Greek words which refer to the second coming of Christ in the New Testament. One is parousia, and that is the word that means to be near or alongside and describes the personal nature of the coming of Christ. The second word is apocalypsis, and that word means to uncover or unveil. It's the word that we use, uh, that we get our English word apocalypse from. And that describes the future manifestation of the glory of Christ in what we would normally consider the apocalypse or the return of Christ, the, uh, the second part, the revelation of Jesus Christ as king. The third word is epiphania, and that word means manif a manifestation and describes the visible manifestation of Christ, that he will be visible. We see that in multiple senses throughout the prophetic um, books. And Christ will appear at both the rapture of the church and the revelation of Jesus Christ as king. He will appear at both of those. Um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27 
For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. So that is when he comes as king. He will be there. Chapter 24 of Matthew and verse 30. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. We also see in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. And verse 26, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Again, he will appear. Jesus Christ will actually return. He will appear at both of these. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. He will come in the clouds at the rapture. So at the rapture, he will come in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So we're going to meet him in the air. He is not going to set foot on the earth at that time. However, he will set foot on the earth at the second coming. Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Again, this is a reference to Revelation chapter 19, the second half of it, when he comes back. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Christ will bodily appear. It's not just... An, an image or a hologram in the sky, he will bodily appear. Um, and we see this in Luke chapter 24, verse 30, and verses 36 to 43. Verse 30, when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. You say, well, what does that have to do? Just hang with me here. Verse 36 through 43. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do, you doubt, do doubts arise in your hearts? 
See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet while they were still while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of a broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. So what this is showing us is that in the first coming, he was here bodily. He, he, the, the bread was a reference to his body. He, after the resurrection, he was still in bodily form. And he came to them. They could see his hands and his feet. They could touch him. He could eat. In John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut when the, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so, again, he was there bodily in the room, with with them down in verses 25 through 29 so the other disciples were saying to him we have seen the lord to thomas this is but he said to them unless i see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side i will not believe after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and here your hand, reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. He is bodily with them. And here's the significance in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, angels. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the way as you have watched him go into heaven. What way? After the resurrection, in bodily form. He will reappear, re he will come back in bodily form. So also the nature of the second coming of Christ is pre-millennial. It's pre-millennial. What do I mean by that? It is before the millennium. 
The millennium is a fulfillment of the Abrahamic, Palestinian, Davidic, and New Covenants. We see this in Genesis chapters 12, 13, 15, 17, 22, Deuteronomy chapter 30, 2 Samuel chapter 7, Psalm 89, Jeremiah 33, Luke 1, 31 to 33, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, and Hebrews 8. 8 through 12. Those covenants have not previously been full, fully fulfilled. They will be fully fulfilled in the millennium. A literal interpretation of scripture forces us to have a pre-millennial viewpoint. Now this is not pre-tribulation at this point, although the, the rapture is pre-tribulational. However, the revelation of Jesus Christ as king is not. That is at the end of the tribulation. So a pre-literal uh, interpretation of scripture forces a pre-millennial viewpoint because Revelation chapter 20, 1 through 7 says this. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he had, he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, which is a millennia. So the millennium is that thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Again, reiterating time and time again in this passage, a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Verse 7, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. And then he goes around and gets people to rebel against God again. But again, this is the millennium. A literal interpretation of scripture forces you to see a premillennial viewpoint. The only other viewpoint that people tend to hold is an amillennial viewpoint, which means they don't believe there's a millennium at all. Again, you'd really have to twist Revelation chapter 20, in order to say that that is not referencing a thousand years. A premillennial viewpoint properly distinguishes between Israel and the church. The promises made to Israel are to Israel only and not also to the church. Romans chapter 9 and verse 6, But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Chapter 11, verses 16 through 32. I'm not going to read it all for you here. Starting in verse 17, 
but if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. And here he's talking about the olive branches being significant of Israel and we are the wild branches being Gentiles who were grafted in while we still share in their salvation and we share in the salvation through their God and through Jesus Christ who came as a Jew, um, we also see that they, even though they were the olive tree and cut off and we were grafted in, they can be, by the power of God, contrary to nature, grafted back in. And he summarizes this at the end. For just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. And so there is a distinction here between Israel and the church, and that their promises will be fulfilled. We see 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32, Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. And so he's making a distinction here between these three groups of Jews, Gentiles, and the church of God, or Jews, Greeks, and the church of God. And so the Jews are not the church of God. They're different. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 17, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So you see, he's talking about this same thing where we were able to join in salvation through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ on the cross, but we are not the same. We are still the same in that we can have the same salvation, but the promises made to Israel are made to Israel and not to the church in general. So when Jesus comes, the nature of his coming will also be in judgment. We're not going to go into great detail today on that because as we bear this out in the coming weeks, we're going to see that, especially as we get through to talking about the tribulation and in Revelation and such, we're going to see that he comes in judgment. The nature of the second coming is in judgment. The nature of the second coming is also that he will come as the son of David, the prophesied king of kings and lord of lords as well. And as the son of David, we see that um, he has the rightful heir. He is the rightful heir to the throne that God has promised forever. And that he will come as that. And then we will see him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
and every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So today we've talked about the nature of the second coming of Christ. And next week, we're going to talk about a very misunderstood aspect of the coming events, and that is the rapture of the church. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Freedom Fridays. (music) 